We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast. Justin here at OKC Tracker. Thanks for following along during the game with us over at our Twitter handle at the underscore uncontested. Let's dive in. Thunder lose to the Bulls 112-114. To recap, the Bulls have the third worst record in the Eastern Conference. They are ranked dead last in scoring. They were without Dunn and Portis. And they won the game. Really just a completely flat performance from Oklahoma City, especially on the defensive end, where they just looked completely disinterested from the get-go. They gave up 34 points in the first quarter to the Bulls, 36 points in the second quarter, somehow got worse, for a total of 70 points in the first half. Easily the highest output for the Bulls in the first half this year. Somebody tweeted this. I have not verified it, so I probably shouldn't say it, but here it is anyway. Somebody said the 70 points in the first half is the most for the Bulls since Derrick Rose's MVP year. That's your totally unverified stat of the night, but it sounds bad enough to be true, so let's pretend it is. Chicago shot 58% from three in the first half. That's just not going to cut it. The Thunder were leaving guys wide open on the perimeter. They, Like I mentioned, they, they looked totally disengaged. Really just a, a flat, abysmal showing at the beginning of the game for the Thunder. I don't know if they celebrated too hard after the Brooklyn win. Who knows? Regardless, uh, they weren't locked in, and the Bulls capitalized. But then the third quarter happened. OKC came out. They went on a 25-7 to run to open the third quarter. And after being down eight at halftime, they got, up, they got the lead up to as much as 10 points with 
just over two minutes remaining in the third quarter. And at that point, you're sitting there thinking like, okay, the Thunder woke up. They're going to turn around. They're going to win this thing. They're going to win this thing by 15 points. It's going to be a, you know, a loss that looked bad in the first half, but the Thunder turned around and win. Uh, that's kind of where the fun stopped for the Thunder. OKC let Chicago right back into it. They slipped back into the bad tendencies they had in the first half, taking bad shots, lots of bad turnovers, uh, letting letting Chicago get some threes. So now instead of the Thunder cruising to an easy win, now they're down five points in the fourth quarter. It was exciting down the stretch. Uh, you know, the lead flipped back and forth a few times. You had some daggers being exchanged. You had some really good plays from Russ. You had some really bad plays from Russ. Uh, but ultimately, a good look from Paul George for three misses at the buzzer and the Thunder cave and give the Bulls their sixth win of the season. One thing I do want to note about the Bulls is, yes, they're dead last in the league in scoring coming into tonight, but a lot of their seasons have been played without Larry Markkinen, and he's back, and he really did some damage on the Thunder tonight. He was 4 of 8 from 3. He had 22 points overall. And probably most importantly, he took Paul George to the hole and got the game-winning layup. There was a number of times where the Thunder just kind of lost him. And, you know, yes, he hasn't played a bunch this season, but last season we saw what he's capable of. He's hands down one of the Bulls' best players, and that's just not acceptable on the defensive end for the Thunder. Looking down the stat sheet for the Thunder, first off, Russell Westbrook. He gets the patented Russell Westbrook quadruple double tonight. 24 points, 17 boards, 13 assists, and 10 turnovers. Thunder had 21 turnovers overall, which is not going to win many ball games. Tonight was really your stereotypical good Russ, bad Russ game. He did some really nice things. He had some clutch buckets late. He had some really nice steals. He also had five fouls, including a late offensive foul that just kind of tanked the Thunder's momentum. Uh, If you've been following the national media lately, you know that Russell, as always, is a controversial topic after their game against the Nets. He actually did a really nice job deferring to PG in the fourth. Uh, He's still getting torched for taking one bad three amidst Paul George's masterful takeover of the fourth quarter. And we'll probably talk about this more on our next big pod, but the slander of Russ is out of control. But unfortunately, uh, his performance tonight doesn't help things. He got a triple-double, his stats are fine, but his play was bad. The numbers were there, but what he was really doing on the floor was not what you hope to see from Russell Westbrook. He was forcing passes, he was taking bad threes, he was 2 of 6 from 3 tonight, he 4 of 7 from the free throw line. Um, like I mentioned, the 10 turnovers, he was a plus 10 on the floor, but if you watch the game, you can see that it just wasn't the Russell Westbrook action that you hope to get from him and that leads to Thunder victories. On the more positive side of things, the high point of the night and the best player on the floor for the Thunder is Steven Adams. He came out and put down an easy double-double, 21 points, 10 boards. 14 of those 21 were in the first quarter, which ties a career high for Steven for points in any quarter. It's a little frustrating. I've talked about this before, but the Thunder come out, they get Steven 14 quick points, and then I think he scored like two points in the second quarter, something like that. Uh, It's just the Thunder have a tendency that come out and they're very intentional about feeding Steven Adams early. And a lot of times it works. And then for whatever reason, they tend to drift away from him. They don't go back to him as much. 
and he'll end up with, you know, the numbers just kind of decrease throughout the game. I think you see that again here tonight, 14 points in the first quarter, but only 21 total in the game. At the beginning, he looked like he was Wendell Carter's daddy. And by the end of the game, Wendell Carter's the one stuffing Russell Westbrook at the end or at the rim. It just wasn't uh, the strong performance from Steven start to finish that I think he's capable of. We just haven't necessarily seen much. We know Steven's a pretty humble guy. He doesn't have much of an ego. So I don't know how much of you know him not continuing to get offensive action is him just deferring and trying to set up teammates and passing the ball out. Or if the Thunder are forgetting about him and not being as intentional about feeding him in the post later in the game, I'm not sure which it is. But either way, I think the Thunder have an opportunity to feed Steven Adams more as the game goes on moving forward because against teams like we saw tonight against the Bulls, like he's such an advantage over a lot of centers in this league that he should be able to feast on a nightly basis and put up numbers that and get those easy buckets when the Thunder need them, when the Bulls are, are charging, are trimming down the lead, they should be able to feed Steven Adams in the post and kind of stop that run by getting an easy bucket. And the Thunder just didn't make that happen tonight. Paul George, I mentioned he had the, the miss on the potential game winner at the end of the game. He finished with 19 points, but a, a pretty awful 2 of 9 from 3-point range. Uh, obviously, the one, the one at the end of the game hurts. But he did have the the masterful fourth quarter performance against the Nets. So I guess we'll cut him a little break here. You'd like to see a little more consistency. He kind of admitted after the Brooklyn game winner, like he's never been talked about as clutch. I think maybe we saw a little bit of that tonight. Uh, Definitely was not clutch. And not only did he miss the potential game winner, but he also was responsible for kind of getting behind Markin and letting letting Markin get to the rim for the game winning layup. So kind of all around, not a great showing from PG. Jeremy Grant, on the other hand, Jeremy Grant had a pretty solid game. Jeremy finished with 13 points on three of four shooting from three. There's a handful of plays where Grant just kind of floated to the corner, and Russ and PG did a really nice job of finding him there and setting him up for good shots. There are a couple other plays where he was wide open the corner, waving his arms, and they didn't find him. But I thought overall it was a, it's a great uh, positive for this Thunder team. It's a nice evolution for Jeremy Grant. People are asking the question on, on Thunder Twitter, is Jeremy Grant's three-point shooting for real? I I don't know what to think. It's been incredible. It's been much better than I thought it could ever be. He shot 3 of 4 tonight, but when you look at the whole season, he's the Thunder's best three-point shooter at 38.7%. So I don't know if it's a legitimate skill that he added to his arsenal over the summer or if he's just kind of in a hot streak. Only time will tell that. But I do know this. As long as he is in this hot streak, the Thunder need to keep finding him. Because he's knocking it down. He was hands down their best three-point shooter tonight. You look down the list. I mentioned PG 2 of 9. Russell Westbrook 2 of 6. Patterson 0 of 1. Schroeder 1 of 3. Abrinas 1 of 4. Really poor showing from Alex Abrinas. He's not really looked like himself ever since coming back from that illness. Whatever that mystery voodoo illness was. He got off to such a great start this season. And other than the crazy Enfuego performance he had, where he hit, was it eight threes with his grandma in the stands, which is incredible. Uh, he's looked pretty flat other than that tonight. One of one of four from three, three points total, uh, minus 15 on the plus minus, which is not going to get it done. Uh, maybe, maybe the Thunder need to fly Alex's grandma uh, to all the road games. 
And then the, the last kind of notable stat line here, Nerland's Noel. He had a couple big blocks, three big blocks. Um, looked great on the defensive end, but his offensive output was pretty poor. He had a nice alley-oop dunk. Other than that, he was uh, one of four overall from the floor, only two points. He's been such a big part of the Thunder's bench this year. His play uh, in that second unit, his 1-2 game with Dennis Schroeder, and that just wasn't there tonight. The kind of, the bench overall, when you look at the plus minuses, uh, Noel was minus 11, Patterson minus 8, Schroeder minus 10, Abrinas minus 15, even Diallo was minus 1. Now listen, I don't think the numbers tell the whole story here. I don't think this loss is solely on the bench unit. But the bench unit has been so strong this year, the Thunder need to continue to get strong bench play as they move into a tougher part of their schedule. If they want to continue to beat teams that they should beat, this bench unit has to play to their highest potential like they have most of the season so far. But tonight, outside of Dennis Schroeder scoring 19 points, you have a total of, let's see here, nine points off the bench. Nine points from your bench minus Dennis Schroeder is not going to get it done. For the Thunder on any even night, let alone, you know, a night where you're going to let the Bulls shoot 50% from three-point range. Overall, this season, the Thunder have been much better against bad teams. This was really, this was their first loss to a team that was under 500 this season. And that's encouraging because when you watch the Thunder last season, it happened a lot. We've kind of talked about it as like the mellow mentality of, you know, we can just turn on a switch. uh, We can blow these teams out when we want to. We're fine. The Thunder haven't operated like that. But when you look at tonight's game, and to a similar extent when you look back at the Brooklyn game, both of these games, the Thunder played three bad quarters and one good quarter. Tonight, they played one good quarter where they outscored the Bulls 29-17 to in the third, but every other quarter was pretty awful, and it wasn't enough to get it done. You know, the Thunder can't come out and think that they can just give up 70 points in the first half and then find a way to will themselves to win in the second half. They came close, and they managed to do it against Brooklyn. But let's say let's say PG doesn't hit the shot against Brooklyn. What, what kind of conversation are we having about the Thunder right now? If they had dropped an awful game to the Nets, turned right around and done it again to the 5-20 and 20 Bulls, we're having some hard conversations about the Thunder heading into this tougher part of their schedule. We're talking about their bad defense. We're talking about their poor shooting. We're talking about the number of threes they've given up, the number of turnovers. With the exception of Paul George exploding and dropping 25 in the fourth quarter on Brooklyn, the Thunder have looked pretty bad for two out of the three games on this road trip. The Thunder are going to have to find a way to figure it out because, like I mentioned, the, the schedule gets much tougher. They've had an easy schedule thus far in the season. We've talked about it a lot, you know, how much of the schedule is kind of inflating their stats, making their record look better than it actually is. Well, now is where we start to see the rubber meet the road a little bit for OKC. The upcoming schedule, they play at home versus the Jazz on Monday. The Jazz are by no means the Jazz that they were last year. But it'll still be a tough game. As we saw tonight, even the 5-20 and 20 Bulls can be a tough game. So the Thunder will have to bring it against the Jazz on Monday. Then they go on the road to play the Pelicans on Wednesday, and then they have a brutal back-to-back in Denver on Friday and at home against the Los Angeles Clippers on Saturday. The Thunder are going to have to figure some things out. Uh, It's amazing to me that they can have as good a record as they do. They were in first place in the West for about a half second uh, tonight with Denver losing and somebody else losing tonight. But as of right now, the Thunder are in third place, and the problem is the West is so tight 
there's only five and a half games separating the Nuggets all the way up in first down to the Rockets in 15th place. So OKC's got a big opportunity on their hands with the four-game stretch next week to really make some moves in the West, but they're going to have to return to playing defense like they have for most of this season and not show us what we saw tonight against the Bulls or the last game against the Nets. All in all, a uh, bad, bad loss for the Thunder against the Bulls. The good news, they have, a, they have the weekend off, so they don't play again until Monday. They've got some time. They can come back to Oklahoma City, rest a little bit, get some good practice in, some shoot-arounds, hopefully regroup a little bit before they take on this challenging four-game stretch next week. I think that'll about do it tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following along. Even when the Thunder lose, we still have fun. Thanks for interacting with us. It really kind of enhances our Thunder viewing experience, and hopefully we help yours. Like, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and if you are enjoying the podcast, please give us a review, uh, hopefully a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, we love all the support you guys have given us. We love interacting with you, and we've got a lot more planned for you throughout the rest of this season. Thanks for listening, and Thunder Up. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.